this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7, looking at the first part of that chapter. We're going to break Romans chapter 7 up into two weeks. I think thus far we've been doing about a chapter a week. But in this part of our series, there's so much really to cover here in Romans chapter 7 and in chapter 8. We're going to break it up into multiple parts. And so we're going to be looking at the first uh, 14 verses or so of Romans chapter 7. I just want to take a moment to mention briefly a special event that's going to be coming up here at the Leon Valley Church of Christ um, beginning March 25th uh, through the 29th, uh, our gospel meeting with George Slover. So George is a, a preacher of the gospel. He currently works in San Marcos, Texas, and he's going to be coming down beginning Sunday, March 25th, uh, and give us a series of lessons on the Psalms. So if you're wondering what a gospel meeting is, it's just a, a particular time, uh, a, t- a couple of times a year at a, this local church. We set aside several days in which we meet in the evenings and we just study the word together. And we're going to begin that March 25th through the 29th this year. So in just a couple of weeks, not this coming Sunday, but the um, the Sunday following. I believe it's the last Sunday of the month. Uh, so we'll meet Sunday morning at regular service times that are posted on our website at 9.30 a.m. for class and 10.30 for worship services, and then at 6 p.m. And then Monday through Thursday, we'll be meeting at 7.30 p.m. each night in the auditorium. So uh, that's just part of our work here at Leon Valley that we hold these semi-annual events, and it's just a time to be in God's Word together, uh, to grow in it together, and uh, of course there's you know social aspects of the assembly, but we're coming together to study the Word of God and hear this particular preacher and speaker on a given subject. And in this, this case, it's going to be the Psalms. That's what uh, he has chosen to, to speak on. So I uh, encourage you to come uh, to that if you're able. Uh, mark that on your calendar. And uh, we'd love, love to have you. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 29, uh, Psalm 19, Psalm 15, Psalm 130, and Psalm 27 throughout the week. So um, look forward to studying that. And uh, I hope that you can make it out one night or, or every night if you're able. Uh, so Romans chapter 7 is where we are returning to uh, today in our series, ongoing series in the book of Romans. And in verse 4, Paul, verse four, Paul says, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who raised, uh, who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Uh, so, Paul says that on the heels of drawing an illustration um, between uh, a marriage, uh, one who was released from marriage due to the death of a spouse, and uh, the Christian's unity to Christ and being made dead to uh, the law. And so he's speaking uh, predominantly to um, Jews in this case, but the idea is is that this freedom in Christ that they have now found uh, being joined to Christ had some obligations. And we discussed this a great extent to a great extent last week. And Paul is just continuing this idea from chapter six that the gift of grace and this new covenant relationship in Jesus Christ comes with obligations and comes with responsibilities. 
Uh, he's answered four questions and he's going to continue to answer uh, two of four questions rather in this in this context. In chapter six, uh, the main issues were, shall we continue in sin that grace may, may abound? Uh, and since we are not under law, uh, but under grace, so we also continue to sin. And in both cases, the answer is is no. And uh, Paul is going to uh, spend some time continuing in that same vein and discussing that we may be released from the law of Moses, but that does not mean that law is bad or that, or that there are no obligations or responsibilities placed upon the believer in the new covenant. And it's it's so sad that for many, freedom in Christ to or to hear folks speak of freedom in Christ, it seems to be synonymous with freedom to do as I please. Uh, and that's just entirely antithetical to the truth as we find here and as we discussed last week in chapter 6 and as we're going to see again here in chapter 7. And that's what we very, I think, readily see in the verse that, that we just saw in, in verse 4, that the Christian is dead to the law, that is the law of Moses, uh, but he or she has been joined to Christ, wherein there's there's new obligations now. It specifically says an order that we might bear fruit for God. Uh, so freedom in Christ does not grant us the right to do as we please, but freedom in Christ grants us the opportunity, rather, to do what is right. It grants us, freedom in Christ grants us the opportunity to serve God with a clear conscience uh, being raised to walk in newness of life from the waters of baptism, Romans chapter 6. Uh, again, as we saw last week in the first opening verses there of, of chapter 6, uh, that Christians are made to die to sin in order that they might live a new life for God, and that is a new life of obedience. So freedom in Christ does not mean, it does not equate with freedom to do as I please. Rather, it's freedom to do the right thing. It's freedom to serve God. It's freedom from sin if it's freedom from anything. So Christians are joined to Christ for a purpose. And 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 7, Paul says that God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And he says, this is God's will for you, your sanctification or your your holiness, that you would be made holy, that you would be set apart for his particular designs and and to serve his will. And so Paul is reminding us of this this very principle, the same principle in Romans chapter 7, which again is just a continuation of the previous discussion where he asked the question, shall we continue in sin? Does being in Christ and does receiving grace then give us uh, permission to go on sinning? And the answer is, is a resounding no. And so Paul uses this illustration of marriage uh, to get us started here in, in Romans chapter 1. He's using this illustration of marriage to, to bring the point home. Um, and what he says is, is that the law, he begins by making the point that law has jurisdiction over man so long as he is alive. In Romans chapter 7, if you drop, uh, rather if you go back up to verse, verse 1, where Paul says, Do you not know... Brethren, I'm speaking to those who know the law, so that singles out uh, Jews. He says that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For he, uh, excuse me, for the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, and she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. 
so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. And then verse 4 that we read just a moment ago, Therefore you have been made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you can be joined to another to bear fruit for God. And so Paul has in view here the, the law of Moses. And the point is, is that the authority of the law is coextensive with one's life of accountability. Right. So Paul uh, will note later in verse nine that he that he himself was once alive apart from the law, that he was alive spiritually apart from from the law. Uh, well, when was that? What is what does he mean by that? Well, biblically, only children lack sufficient moral development to understand the demands of, of God's law. And so he's talking about before he was accountable before God as, as a small child, not knowing the difference between good and, and evil. Uh, as Deuteronomy one thirty nine makes clear, and a number of other other texts, and and uh, that will, you know, to go further would launch us into a, a study with regard to original sin and total depravity and other a number of other things. But um, I'll leave further investigation to you. Biblically, there's no justification for the doctrine of original sin or total depravity, or any idea that says children are born, people are born uh, into sin or have some sort of guilt inherent within them uh, from from Adam. So Paul is saying here he was once alive apart from the law, but uh, the authority of the law when he became account- accountable was extensive in, in over him so long as he was alive. Um, so he's using this woman, this idea of, of a marriage, this woman whose husband dies, uh, he says, is free from the law concerning her husband. Uh, so that is, she's free to remarry without transgressing the law of God. Uh, so she's still under the, under the law, but she's been released to it in the sense that uh, now she can have another husband without violating the law because her first one was dead. And so she doesn't incur condemnation as, as an adulteress when she's joined to another man. And so Paul is saying this is the very picture, this is the very picture of the Jewish Christian's newfound fellowship with Christ, that he or she is released from the demands of the law of Moses now to serve a new master under grace. Uh, But notice again, this does not mean that these Christians were released to do whatever they they please. You know, just as in human marriage, there are obligations, there's responsibility to to faithfulness. Uh, The same is true in being betrothed to Christ. Uh, Paul says to another church, the, the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2 and 3, that I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so he's making the same point there. Rather, he's using the same illustration. That I betrothed you to Christ because he was their teacher when he came to Corinth and teaching them the gospel and uh, their loyalty and their faith were in Christ and to Christ and they were joined to him in that covenant relationship. But Paul is writing with regard to his concern of people usurping uh, apostolic authority and uh, castigating him and and. Uh, teaching false doctrine and being deceived, as he says, just as the serpent deceived Eve. And so he's using this this same illustration. And no, notice again the obligation that is there in both of those texts. He's saying, 
you're being led astray to the church in Corinth. He says, you're being led astray from, from the simplicity and purity of devotion, of devotion to Christ. And in Romans chapter 7, that the expression that Paul uses is that those who are in Christ, those who are betrothed to Christ and joined to him, uh, need to bear fruit for God when they were when they were joined to him. So this is easier to see when we keep in mind that Paul is still answering the question asked in chapter 6, shall we sin that we are no longer under the law of Moses but under grace? And he's saying no. And in this giving this illustration, he's saying no, there's a new way of life here. And so Paul goes on to describe the former manner of life as being in the flesh in this chapter in Romans chapter 7. He says, for, for while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death, in verse 5 of this chapter. Uh, so he's now going to contrast an old way of life, old manner of life, with this what should be a new life in, in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, formerly, when we were walking according to the flesh, not when he says flesh here in the text, we have to we have to keep in mind when Paul speaks of being in the flesh, it's important to remember that he's he doesn't simply mean having a body or having skin uh, or being mortal or simply just being human. That's that's not what he means. What he means is when he says flesh, is that uh, he's denoting uh, fleshly appetites and, and allowing ourselves to be governed by and controlled by. Uh, fleshly appetites, uh, and 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 trying to unlawfully fulfill those appetites. So having a body um, of flesh, or having you know skin, being human, being mortal, etc., that is not sinful in and of itself, as some have erroneously taught. But rather, it's a good thing from God. And I think some who teach that just being human, just being you know, just having a body of flesh is wrong. Um, it escapes their notice that Jesus also had a body of flesh. But he was not sinful. He was made in all things like his brethren, the Hebrew writer says in, in chapter 2, and yet he was without sin. Uh, and so it just doesn't it just doesn't go with Scripture. It doesn't conform to biblical teaching that just having a body of flesh is sinful. And you go back to the beginning, you look at creation in Genesis chapter 1. Keep in mind that Adam... Uh, Adam was told to reproduce and eat physical food, and Adam had all these natural appetites and desires, which were good good things. And Paul and God told him, commanded him to fulfill those things and be fruitful and multiply, uh, and eat of every tree of the garden except for one. And all those commands uh, could be fulfilled before he sinned. So he had all these desires and appetites that were given to him by God, and he had those before he sinned. Uh, but when he refused, when Adam refused to enjoy those desires within the parameters that God had set, i.e., don't eat from this particular tree, uh, then Adam's appetites became sinful passions, which he chose to obey rather than God, as as did his wife Eve. And as a result, his fellowship was, with God was was severed, and he died spiritually on the very day that he sinned, according to Genesis 2 and verse 17. And so Paul's point is when we he, when he uses flesh is that likewise we we sin or when he uses the expression sinful flesh we sin when we allow our conduct when we allow our behavior to be dictated 
by our fleshly appetites, uh, inordinate desires, rather than uh, su- submitting to the will of God, regardless of, of what we feel or what we want. Uh, but when we are dictated by our fleshly passions, then we, we bring forth death to ourselves. Uh, so that's what Paul, That's you know, flesh is one of those loaded words. I think that's been misconstrued and misused a lot in, in Scripture, or rather from Scripture. But, you know, Bible names and words have to be defined in, in biblical ways. And again, that could be another study in, in and of itself. Um, but the good news is that Jesus Christ has provided a way out of this this penalty of, of death so that we can be righteous for God. We can now serve in newness of spirit and not oldness of letter, as Paul says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 6. Well, what does that mean? How does one gain a newness of spirit? Well, Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 22, he says that you were taught with reference to your former way of life, that is, when you were walking according to the flesh, that when you were taught uh, in reference to your former way of life to lay aside the old man who is being corrupted in accordance with deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man who has been created in God's image in righteousness and holiness that comes from truth. And so Paul is saying that in submitting to the truth of the gospel, Insofar as we do that, we are continually laying aside the old person that we were. And this is jumping ahead a little bit into some some thoughts, uh, some things that Paul's going to say in Romans chapter 8, um, which he is defining how we put to death the deeds of the body or, or um, the deeds of the flesh, as he says there, and be transformed by the renewing of our minds or renewing or being renewed in our spirits. And that is, again, only insofar as that we submit to the Word of God. Our, our service to God is an outgrowth of a genuine godly heart. And that this is what the gospel does. It's, it's transforming and it's empowering. We are set free from the bondage of sin to serve a new master whose law is written in our hearts and on in in our inner man, uh, the spirit of our minds. Uh, Jesus said that in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so he offers a newness of spirit through his revelation, which sanctifies and restores us to himself. And that is the power of of the gospel. That is how we can take his yoke upon ourselves in yielding to what he says and following his example and living as as he lived uh, so that we are no longer under the burden of guilt and of sin and under the penalty of wrath and eternal death. We are are liberated. We're freed. Uh, But we are freed to become a slave to a new master. We are... um, we are joined to a new husband, to use Paul's illustration from the beginning of, of the chapter. But this new master is also our brother and, and friend, and he guarantees our inheritance of eternal life and a home in heaven with him. And so the question comes to us as we think about these things and, and as we are challenged by these things, have we been truly freed or have we fallen prey to the deceiver? In 2 Peter 
2, verses 19 and 20, Peter says, With lofty but empty words, they, that is, false teachers, appeal to sensual passions of the flesh and entice the ones who are just escaping from those who live in error. And they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For a man is a slave to whatever has overcome him. And so Peter is saying that, like Paul, uh, freedom in Christ does not mean freedom to obey uh, our fleshly lust or sensual passions, as he says here, sensual passions of the flesh. That uh, that's a false freedom. That it it looks and sounds good, and it may be wrapped up in a bunch of uh, religious language and talk. But Peter says ultimately, those kinds of people are slaves themselves to corruption. Even if they're throwing the name of Jesus around and saying freedom in Christ, if they're given over to things that Scripture clearly condemns, they are not free. They haven't truly been set free. Because true freedom is only found in Christ. And one can only be found in Christ insofar as he is willing to obey him and submit to him. Sin still enslaves us. Sin can and will enslave and will always enslave those who submit to it. And it will always bring wages of eternal death. Romans 6, 23. We looked at that text last week. That the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And Jesus himself says in John eight thirty four that truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And then he goes on to say, actually earlier in that chapter, in verse 31, that he said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so Christians have been set free from sin to become slaves of righteousness. And so we are to act as free men and not use our freedom as a covering for evil. As Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 16. And so what we see here in Romans chapter 7 is that even though we are still in the flesh, we do not have to live according to the flesh. So have you been set free from the law of sin and death through the blood of Christ? Perhaps there's something we can do to assist you in your obedience. If you want to contact us at leonvalleychurch.org or shoot us an email at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. Appreciate you tuning in this morning and look forward to studying with you again next week. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.